during my seminary formation, we had several different professors. You get along with some, you get along, don't get along with others. It's like it's really a normal college. Some people you click with, some you don't. I did have a professor that was difficult to get along with, at least to me. She had some pretty wild ideas about the church. Not sure why she even wanted to teach in a Catholic seminary because, frankly, she wasn't particularly fond or even nice to men. And I remember she talked about St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, our second reading today, and said emphatically that this passage should be deleted from Scripture. Subordination wasn't in her vocabulary. Wow, it seemed an odd solution that would open a Pandora's box, that we delete things that we don't like, even in our gospel today. The people were trying to delete Jesus' words about the Eucharist is the last of the bread of life discourse uh, readings. I mean, what if someone else didn't like other passages of Scripture? Should we pick and choose as some reformers did when they rejected the Old Testament book of Sirach or Judith or Tobit or Wisdom or Baruch or First or Second Maccabees? It can become quite dangerous. Or perhaps we should see how this passage applies to our modern day. Reading St. Paul's words with modern eyes, one immediately sees an elephant in the room, a very uncomfortable elephant in the room. This reading comes up on the Feast of the Holy Family right after Christmas. People are tired, and we hear wives be submissive to their husbands, and I see husbands sometimes tapping their wife, and I'm thinking, this is right after Christmas. People are tired. You might get killed, and for good reason. St. Paul recommends that husbands should love their wives. That's tremendous. But he also recommends to women that they be submissive to their husbands. And this, in a society strongly and justly conscious of the equality of men and women, that's just unacceptable in our day. It's true that on this point, St. Paul is very much conditioned by the mentality of his time, his age. However, the solution to me is not to just eliminate the word submission when we ponder the relationship between husbands and wives. Rather, we should be making submission mutual, just as we make love mutual, even though St. Paul doesn't call women to love men as he does men to love women. In other words, not only must husbands love their wives, but wives must also love their husbands. And not only must wives be submissive to their husbands, but also husbands must be submissive to their wives. Women, you can tap your husband now. Mutual love and mutual submission raises the bar for both men and women, leading them to holiness of life. So, to be subject or submissive. What exactly does that mean in a biblical context? It means to lovingly take into account the wishes, the opinions, and the sensitivities of one's spouse. Christians are called to marriage must discuss, not decide on one's own about the future. Likewise, they must be able to give up one's point of view from time to time for the good of their spouses and family. In short, husbands and wives must remember that both are spouses, that is, literally persons under the same freely chosen yoke 
of marriage. Thus, both are submissive to one another. St. Paul gives Christian husbands and wives Jesus' relationship with the church as a model for a relationship of authentic love. And he explains what such love consists of. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The highest form of love is manifested in giving oneself to the other just as Christ did when he died for the church. Generally speaking, there are two ways of expressing one's love. The first is to give something to the other. You know, gifts, like when a man stereotypically gives woman flowers or jewelry or candy, and a woman gives presents to a man, like a book or a sports ticket. Nice things. But such pleasures are rarely sacrificial to us. The second, much more demanding expression of love consists in suffering for one's spouse. God loved us when he created us and filled us with many good gifts. Heaven, earth, our bodies, our intellect, flowers, food. All of these are gifts that God lavishes upon us. But then, but then in the fullness of time, when the Father gave us his Son, Jesus came to us in order to suffer for us on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. This is also true in a spouse's love for his husband or, her, or husband or wife. For past the gifts of romance, the time comes when presents simply aren't enough. It's necessary to offer oneself, to suffer with and for their beloved. One must love despite the limitations one discovers in the other. Nobody is perfect, bad breath, someone who talks too much, someone who's messy, and so on. And at its worst, a spouse has to love despite periods, for example, of poverty or unemployment or illness. This is true, and that is true love that is modeled after Christ's love. In general, the first kind of love is called a seeking love, characterized by the Greek word for for love, which is eros. When our hearts go pitter-patter and we are falling in love and we want to express it. The second kind of love is called a giving love and is also described by a Greek word called agape. When we surrender our freedom and our comfort for the good of another person, in this case, of one's spouse. For example, I have witnessed, even recently, spouses at our own parish who suffer with their spouses through a serious, even terminal illness when God stretches a husband or a wife to continue to love. This is long after the person is physically attractive or when the sharpness of someone's mind has gone. The sign that a couple is passing from Seeking to giving love from eros to agape is this. Instead of saying, what more could my husband or wife do for me? Which he or she still does not do. And begins to ask, what more can I do for my husband or my wife, which I have not done? This teaching, incidentally, goes beyond marriage. So if you're not married, you can still get in on this 
this uh, symbol and this teaching of, of St. Paul. It can apply, for example, to friendship and Christian ministry. When we seek the good of others enough to suffer for them by giving, for example, of our resources or agreeing to hand over one's time and effort for someone, for example, who might be impoverished and needs someone that you, something that you can give. This step brings us closer to Christ. But most especially today, let us pray for Christian husbands and wives, that they may serve an example to all of us and also submit to one another along with loving one another.